Okay, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. We got a good. I got a good episode for you guys today. We're gonna get into. We got. We got. We got some football talk. We got some good topics today. We got some really good topics today. Uh, Pro Football Focus came out with a couple lists. I'm gonna talk about these two lists that Pro Football Focus came out with. Um, I, I agree with one of them. I think one of them uh, is gonna really highlight one of my points that I've been trying to bring out these last few weeks, and then. The other one, I have my questions about. The other one, I have my questions about. We're gonna get to these. We're gonna get to the pro football, fo- fo- the pro football focus list. Um, and we we got a lot to get into. And uh, let's just get into it. We got baseball, college football, a little bit, you know, a little college football sprinkled into there. So without further ado, let's get into it after this quick break. <clears throat> Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. So, we got we got Pro Football Focus came out today, and I usually like Pro Football Focus. You know, since sports, uh, since sports topics, and uh, you know, since the sports, no games, not a lot of games on. You know, baseball is trying to make an attempt to come back. We're talking about the future of college football and the and the NFL. Sports topics is at a premium. So, you know, different sports websites, uh, shows, networks, they're going to create lists. Lists that, 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 you know, sports topics at a premium right now. So they create lists. And Pro Football Focus typically creates these type of lists after the draft, during, um, going, into the, going into the season or during the postseason or after the season. They give us Pro Football, Pro Football Focus gives us a good list. And I must say, before I, before I critique Pro Football Focus on their latest uh, list that they have created, I must say Pro Football Focus is one of the better uh, websites and um, corporations that 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 do a good job with creating these lists. I like how the way they follow these things, but um, they made a mistake on this one. They made a mistake on this one. So, Pro Football Focus, they came out with their all-decade top one hundred and one NFL best players from two thousand ten to twenty twenty. And, you know, I hate to be this guy. I hate to be this guy. Every time something happens to this particular player, I hate to be this guy that runs to his defense. But somebody has to do it. Somebody has to do it. And I often talk about this guy a lot. And I praise him a lot because he, quite frankly, deserves it. And uh, I've heard, uh, I think I only heard one of her. I don't know. I might be wrong, but I think Colin Cowherd has talked about Russell Wilson in this situation. 
and I know I know Russell Wilson. It's been a rough week. I mean, you would think for a guy that's been playing some great football for, for I mean, just I mean for the entirety of his career, but especially these last four, these last three, four years, uh, Russell Wilson's game has been at another level. Um, but besides that point, I think Colin Kyra is the only one to talk about them, talk about this, and Russell and come to Russell Wilson's defense. Which I don't know why it's taking so long. I don't know, maybe because he's small. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I had I took big offense, <laughs> and I don't know why. But I took big offense into Pro Football Focus having Russell Wilson at thirty three. Out of 100 players in the last decade, 2010 through 2020, Pro Football Focus had Russell Wilson at 33. You're probably like, what's the problem? Well, let me read you the guys that's above him. Matt Ryan at 32. Geno Atkins, great defender. He's not changing the temperature in Cincinnati. DeAndre Hopkins, great receiver. He, 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 he can't lead his team to playoff wins. He don't lead his team. He, he, he hasn't had a deep playoff run. Hasn't gone. He hasn't touched ni- nothing near a Super Bowl championship or, or just a taste of the Super Bowl. Patrick Willis. Patrick Willis retired six years ago. Why, why, is, why is Patrick? And, and, and these guys, all of these guys on this list are great players in their own right. They're great players. They're great players, no doubt about it. You can't, you you can't, you can't be, you can't be a great player and not make this list. So, you made this list for a reason. But Patrick Willis, a guy that has not played in six years, should not have made, or should not have been above Russell Wilson, and he's at twenty-eight. Devin McCourty, okay, uh, I don't know, I, I guess Casey Hayward. Once again, no playoff success. He's a defensive back. He's not changing the temperature in L.A. Harrison Smith, he's a great safety. But is he really a game changer? He's a game. Harrison Smith is a good safety. But Harrison Smith is not as talented as Jamal Adams or Darren James. But here goes my thing. Marshawn Lynch, Earl Thomas. Khalil Mack, Eric Weddle, Evan Mathis, Chris Harris Jr., Richard Sherman. Okay, you get the point. Don't you know? So here goes, here goes my thing. And I know people will say, oh, Russell Wilson came into the league with a good defense and Marshawn Lynch and Pete Curl. Well, well, okay. The, the Legion of Boom was great. Um... For the last, like, I don't know if you're paying, paying attention, but for the last, like, four years, Seattle defense has been hit or miss. Seattle's defense has been hit or miss. Last year in points scored, points allowed. Last year, Seattle was bottom half in defensive yards g- given up and yards given up. They were bottom half. I know you like. I know you guys don't. You. I, I know it's kind of hard. It's difficult. Usually, in an industry in the business, it's difficult when a guy and when a person is having success or a great amount of success, and he don't fit like the, he don't fit 
the mold. I know Russell Wilson is not 6'3", 6'4". I know he's not 230. I know he's not all those things. He don't have the measurables. I know he doesn't. But, and he's a runner, and he can make plays, a great playmaker. But why is Matt Ryan ahead of, why is Matt Ryan ahead of Russell Wilson? Matt Ryan has four, in this decade, Matt Ryan has four losing seasons. Russell Wilson never had a losing season. He has one year when he went nine and seven. All his other years, ten and six or better. I'm just saying. You can ask any GM, you can ask all 32 GMs in football right now as we speak, and including the Atlanta Falcons GM, and they'll all tell you who would you take if you had to if you had to draft two, if you had to draft between the two quarterbacks, who are you taking? Russell Wilson or Matt Ryan? All 32 of those teams would take Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has a better arm. Russell Wilson is more athletic. Russell Wilson is more adorable. Russell Wilson is the better playmaker. He's he's won more games. He's a Super Bowl champion. Why? He he does more with, with less. He's had mediocre offensive lines. I mean, well, not even mediocre. Below average, below average O lines. Mediocre receivers. For God's sake, Doug Baldwin was 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 his main target for a couple years. Are you kidding me? He's throwing the guys like Jacob Hollister and making them stars. All I'm saying is, why does why do why don't we give Russell Russell Wilson the respect? I don't know. Certain media members just hesitate, or I don't know what it is, but they hesitate to give this guy respect. Guess how many? Okay, get this. At the start of the decade, you can probably guess from 2010 to 2020, you can probably guess guess the team that has the most playoff wins, the New England Patriots. The New England Patriots have the most playoff wins in this last decade. Guess who has the second most playoff wins? The Seattle Seahawks. You think, you think Earl Thomas is a big part of that? Okay, I get it. Earl Thomas, great safety. Richard Sherman, great cornerback. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, great running back. These guys are good players, and they're Hall of Fame. Some of those guys are Hall of Fame level players. I get all of that, but they were seven and nine before Russell Wilson got there. Pete Carroll, great, great collegiate coach, but had the scandal. He left USC, went to Seattle. Seattle had Matt Flynn as their quarterback. Seattle had Marshawn Lynch. Seattle had the Legion of Boom with Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman. He had all those guys. They went 7-9. Pete Curl had two back-to-back losing seasons. 7-9, 7-9. If he does not draft Russell Wilson, he, he, he's out of a job. He's out of a job. Just look at how we perceive Seattle. We look at Seattle as a perennial playoff team on a yearly basis. You know why we look at Seattle as a perennial playoff team on a yearly basis? We look at Seattle as a playoff team on a year-in, year-out basis because of Russell Wilson. I'm sorry. There's no more Richard Sherman. There's no more. Well, Marshall Lynch came back, but he wasn't Marshall Lynch. Uh, There's no Earl Thomas. There's no Cam Chancellor. That's all I'm saying. And then I have a big problem. Not a big problem, but Drew Brees. Drew Brees is ahead of is ahead of Russell Wilson. 
And I like Drew Brees. I think Drew Brees is a I think Drew Brees is a top 10 quarterback of all time. And, and people I get pushed back for it, but I think Drew Brees is a top 10 quarterback of all time. I get pushed back for it though. But get this. In this decade, Drew Brees has won four playoff games. Russell Wilson has won nine. Drew Brees has four losing seasons in this decade. Russell Wilson has zero. Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson, he didn't, the last, you can't even remember the last time Russell Wilson had a losing season. Oh, my bad. Because he hasn't. Even in college, you can go all the way back into college. He's never had a losing season. This guy is a born, he's a born winner, natural born leader. And I don't know why people don't, I don't know why, I don't know why media, certain media members in the NFL circle, I don't know why they are afraid to give Russell Wilson his props. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. Don't you know Russell Wilson has never received the MVP vote? He's never received an MVP vote. He's never received the MVP vote. He's never received a, one single MVP vote. And literally, we look, at, we look at the Seahawks, and like I said, the Seahawks are a perennial playoff team on a year-in, year-out basis. We look at the Seahawks as a team that's going to be competitive and that's going to get to the playoffs, mainly because of Russell Wilson's play. That, that, it's a, that's a big reason why we look at them as a playoff team on a yearly basis. That is why. That's why we look at them as such. They are amongst the top tier NFL franchises. You know why? Yes, Pete Carroll's a good coach. He's a good coach, but you must admit, Pete Carroll had two losing seasons before he drafted Russell Wilson. He drafts Russell Wilson. Pete Carroll turns into, uh, I don't know, the five of the best coaches in, 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 in the NFL right now. He's, he, you can't name four of the coaches that's better than Pete Carroll right now. But a big part of that has to do with Russell Wilson. Seven and nine, seven and nine. Two seven and nine seasons. Two losing seasons. Two losing seasons. You draft Russell Wilson. You, you, fit, you, 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 you win playoff games. You eventually win a Super Bowl. And you continue to have success even with mediocre defenses with below-average offensive lines and below-average receivers. You continue, to, you continue to have success. What's the common denominator? Russell Wilson, folks. Russell Wilson. What's the, what's the common denominator? Russell Wilson. And he, he hasn't received one single MVP vote. One single MVP vote. But Matt Ryan has the MVP. Matt Ryan has one MVP year. Russell Wilson, for the last three years, has been the best player. He's been the best player in football, and I'm willing to argue it. Russell Wilson has been the best player in the last three years. Russell Wilson has been the best player in, 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 the, in football, and you can't argue it. Look at the numbers. Look at the win-loss total. You cannot argue it. It's, it's just point-blank facts. He's been the best player in football as far as IQ. If you, if you take the combination of IQ, leadership, winning, stats, skills, playmaking ability, talent, 
He's been the best in the last three years, and you can't argue it. And I don't know why he's not higher on this all-decade list or in this, in this top player's decade list. I don't know why. I look at a guy like Drew Brees. I like Drew Brees a lot. But it's, the proof is in the pudding. Since his Super Bowl victory, Drew Brees, hasn't, Drew Brees has not experienced a lot of playoff success. It's just the fact of the matter. He has four losing seasons in this decade. Russell Wilson never had a losing season. Never had a losing season. Does not know what that looks like. Doesn't know what that looks like. And he turned Seattle. Seattle was an afterthought. Seattle had Pete Curl and a really good defense. That's what they were known for. A really good defense and Pete Curl. Pete Curl was a celebrity at USC. He was a, he was a celebrity coach at USC. And that's what Seattle was known for. Hiring Pete Curl because he was really expensive, and then having a solid defense. That's all they were. But now, on a yearly basis, we look at Seattle as a bona fide playoff team and a legit and having a legit shot at winning the Super Bowl, all because of one player and one guy at one position. Russell Wilson at the quarterback position. And with him playing the quarterback position, and with him being in the last three years, the best player at the quarterback position, you, 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 can't, you can't argue it. You can't argue it, and you would think he would be much higher on this list, and it, it, he's just not. He's just not higher on this list, and I don't know why. Pro football focus, I don't know. I, don't, I think they're working from home. Pro football focus was not focused. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, they may not have been focused. Pro football focus was not focused. Russell Wilson should be definitely higher on this list. I see defensive tackles, defensive ends, and I, I, those, those are great players. Don't get me wrong. Those are great players, but they're not changing the, they're not changing the meter. They're not changing the, the, the course and the value of their franchise. J.J. Watt is a great player. He's going to probably be, he's going to be a Hall of Fame level player, but J.J. Watt is not winning that he's not winning the Texans Super Bowls. Simple as that. Simple as that. I catch you guys after a quick break. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about more pro football focus. Now they did put out a list that I like, so I'm gonna be changing my temper. Um, I'm gonna be changing my tone a little bit because I like the list that they came out with. Uh, I'm gonna catch you guys right after this quick break. Sit back and think about it. It should be no reason why Russell Wilson is at 33 and some of those guys are ahead of him. Or, I mean, and, and it's no, like I said, it's nothing against those players because they're great players. But the quarterbacks that they had in front of him, um, I, you guys already know, I, I did the Aaron Rodgers comparison, but the quarterbacks literally for the last, for, I mean, literally for the last, from 2010 to 2000. 
20 for to now, there's only as far as success and winning, there's only been one play. That's only been one quarterback that's done it more, and that's been Tom Brady. But everybody else, they fall under Russell Wilson like a limbo. They fall. They fall under Russell. They fall. Everybody else falls under Russell Wilson like a limbo. And I, you know, I, I just find it. I find it crazy. I find it. Uh, I find it quite embarrassing. And just I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the media is jelly. I don't. I don't know. But Russell Wilson should not be that low. And the guys that they had in front of him is like, oh, I don't. I, I mean. He turned a, a he turned an irrelevant he turned an irrelevant franchise into a bona fide top tier franchise that wins on a yearly basis. That's just me. But Pro Football Focus, I did like a list that they came out with. Now Pro Football Focus came out with their most improved their top most improved offensive lines this upcoming season. And what do you know? Pro football, pro football Focus had the Browns at number one, the Miami Dolphins at two, the Jets at three, the Denver Broncos at four, and the New York Giants at five. So those were the teams that Pro Football Focus picked as the most improved offensive lines. Mind you, you might see... you so. Remember the teams that I said, so Cleveland, I told you guys, Cleveland's going to have a better year with a better O-line. Baker has better protection around him. Kevin Stefanski, as a coach, will, I think, schematically would help Odell and Jarvis Landry and those Browns weapons. I think schematically, Kevin Stefanski will help. And now, it will, granted, it will take some time for the Browns to get adapted to the new system, but I think it will work and pan out at the end. The Dolphins, I picked the Dolphins to go 8-8 eight and eight this year. The Dolphins have an improved offensive line. Now, whether they play Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua, in my opinion, I think they should play Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, they should this with, with Tua. This should be this should be more of an eight to ten year thing instead of a one or two year thing. They should be looking longevity with Tua. The Jets, I'm not so high on because I saw their schedule, but they have an improving offensive line. And the Denver Broncos, I'm going to talk more about them, but I like the Denver Broncos. And I told you guys that the Denver Broncos have a chance to finish ten and six. In second, and they're they're probably finished. They won't win the division. They won't win the AFC West over Kansas City. But I think Denver Broncos can easily go nine and seven, ten and six, and finish second in the AFC West. And then the Giants. I told you, I like their O line. I like the I like the way they drafted their O line on draft night or after draft night. I told you guys that about the Giants. But look, but. With Pro Football Focus, now, I do agree with this list. This list was not hard to agree upon. Uh, The Browns with Baker and this improved offensive line. This is why I think the Browns will have an improved year along with Baker. I think Baker will have an improved year. I think he will get better. Offensive line got better. So, I think Cam Stefanski, with his scheme... Uh, coming from Minnesota, he already had two good receivers in Minnesota. That's the case here in, in, in Cleveland with Odell and Jarvis Landry. And then he has uh, he has two good running backs. So he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna definitely set up the run. But then I think schematically, 
the passing, the passing plays, the passing options, Baker reads will be. Will, I think it will become much easier, and this is why I think the Browns will improve. Their defense was really not the problem last year. Their defense was fine last year. They 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 upgraded. They upgraded a little bit in the secondary. Um, a little needed because they were getting older at, at at the safety position. But the defense wasn't the problem for the Browns last year. Offensively and scheme wise, the Browns it, it didn't all mesh. It didn't all mesh last year for the Browns. I think with Kevin Stefanski, the scheme, the system that he's bringing, uh, Baker and the weapons that's there in Cleveland. And then the improved offensive line, I think the Browns will finish 9-7. and seven, And this is why I think the Browns will have an improved year, along with Baker. I think Baker will have an improved year. Uh, now, the most improved offensive lines, I, I told you, I like, and these are, and it's three teams on this list that I really like. Cleveland, Miami, well, I'm not going to say I really like Cleveland. I more so like their roster, and I like the weapons that they have. But uh, I gotta see what I gotta like. I actually, I actually have to see what's gonna happen. But the moves that Brian Flores made with the Miami Dolphins, I like, and the Denver Broncos, I like. Um, so that that was so. I agree with that list on pro, with Pro Football Focus. Pro Football Focus. I I feel like they got that list right. That was that was a great list that they put together. Most improved offensive lines. Browns at one, uh, Dolphins at two, Jets at three, Broncos at four, and Giants at five. I agree with those lists. I agree. Now, I noticed something. I noticed a trend in the league. And I've been, I've been gravitating towards this point uh, for a while now. Even, um, at the, I would say even throughout last year, I started to notice this point last year with younger quarterbacks. Because I often talk about quarterbacks. I talk about quarterbacks on this podcast a lot, um, the value of quarterbacks, me evaluating quarterbacks to my own judgment and what I see on that, as far as the eye test. This is what I see. Now, look at second-year quarterbacks. The last three years, it's a, there's a trend in this league with second-year quarterbacks. Last three years, look at this. Three straight years... A second-year quarterback has been an MVP leader, and two of these quarterbacks have won the MVP, and one of these quarter, the other quarterback had gotten hurt, uh, but he was surely en route to MVP. And those three guys are Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. And they all three had somewhat similar paths. Now get this. Mahomes won MVP second year. Lamar Jackson, of course, won MVP his second year. Carson Wentz, he was the MVP leader throughout most of his second year, but got hurt, and so they didn't. So he didn't win MVP, but he was he, he was definitely on. If, if Carson Wentz don't get hurt, he wins MVP. That's the fact of the matter. If Carson Wentz doesn't sustain that that ACL injury, he wins MVP. Simple as that. So you get my point. So second, so the last three years, second year quarterbacks have really thrived and like exploded onto the scene. But get this: all three of those guys either struggled their first years or did not play. Carson Wentz, um, 
For the first half of his rookie year, it was pretty decent. It was pretty good. The second half of his rookie year was downhill. It was not, he did not play well. He struggled and the Eagles struggled. Uh, Lamar Jackson, he was very dynamic. He exploded onto the scene. He had a good Baltimore defense, a good Baltimore running game. John Harbaugh, great, good coach. But um, you know, San Diego caught up to him and it, it, it caught up to him in the playoffs for the second time. They, they the second time that same year, uh, the Chargers caught on to Lamar. They, 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 Lamar really struggled in that game in that playoff game. And then in Patrick Mahomes' case, he didn't play much. Patrick Mahomes didn't play much. When they, you know, Kansas City had Alex Smith. Mahomes didn't. He only started one game. That was Week 17. That was the last week of his rookie year. He started one game, and that was the last week of his rookie season. And you know, he exploded onto the scene. So Mahomes, he showed some flashes of his arm and his talent, and we can do. That, you know, that one game that he started. And same thing with Lamar and Carson Wentz. You get the point there. But then, Wentz had an amazing breakout year. Leading the Eagles to an, uh, I think, an 11-2 record. He led the Eagles into, he led the Eagles to an 11-2 record and was playing some really good football. Carson Wentz was playing some, he was playing some really good football. His touchdown interception ratio was good. His completion percentage was good. And that's and that was the year he shown that that was the year that Carson Wentz shown us he was a top five quarterback talent. And he had what it took, he had what it take to be an MVP caliber quarterback. And he showed off how well he could throw the deep ball. That was where he had a lot of he threw he threw the deep ball really well that year. And he showed us how good. He could be. The only thing with Carson Wentz is he couldn't. He, his health is a question mark. Patrick Mahomes' second year, he throw he thrown for fifty touchdowns. The Chiefs were pop were practically impossible to stop on offense. You could not stop the Chiefs on offense. Uh, Mahomes had a great rookie year. If it wasn't for D Ford hopping off, you know, being off sides, the Chiefs went, they probably, they, the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and they have a shot to win the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes' first year starting. His first full season starting, he could have won, he could have went to the Super Bowl and won the damn thing. Uh, and then Lamar last year, Lamar broke the, he broke the rushing record for a quarterback and won MVP. Also, he got better as a thrower. That was the main point that I wanted to see. Got better as a thrower, and then he took his escapability and his athleticism to a whole new level. So, all three showed signs of being dynamic. Either if it was, I mean, all three are mobile. All three have strong arms. All three show some type of form or fashion of dynamic. Oh, he has it. Oh, Mahomes, his arm is crazy. Lamar makes you look stupid. Carson Wentz throws a great deep ball. They all, they all, all three of them showed signs of being really good. And they popped. They had an MVP type year, year two. So, this leads me to second year quarterbacks that I think will pop. These are the second year quarterbacks in the league 
that I think will or well, these are second year quarterbacks. Now I'm gonna tell you the two quarter there's only two quarterbacks that I think are gonna be really good this year. There's two quarterbacks that I two second year quarterbacks that I think will have really good years. They will have um in not I'm not gonna say MVP type years. But they will have a really good year, and one of these one of these two quarterbacks will lead their team to the playoffs. Book it. Now, I'm gonna read you off the second year quarterbacks, and we're gonna we're gonna play the game. We're gonna play the process of elimination game. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Now, I now Dwayne Haskins. He, he's with a rebuilding roster, a retooling offense, so the offense doesn't have much to work with. Uh, limited offensive weapons, and he has a defense. He has a defensive-minded coach. The Redskins' defense, I think, has the potential to be really good, especially their, especially their front seven. They have they have invested a lot of talent at that at, at that in that area. Now, offensively, with the Redskins, I, I, you know, I might go out on the limb and say I don't even think this offense will average twenty points. Because I think it's very limited. I think this offense is limited. So I don't think Dwayne Haskins will have the numbers, nor I don't think he'll have the wins and the success to to have a you know to, to you know for you to say, oh my God, Dwayne Haskins, he popped. So I don't think I think this is more of a uh, I think he I think Dwayne Haskins will mature up a little bit because there's some questions out of Washington. Well, I'm I'm in DC. There are some questions around him surrounding Dwayne Haskins about his maturity. Only played one year at Ohio State. There are some questions there. There are some questions there. So this may be a mature year for uh, Dwayne Haskins. Not so much of a year where he explodes onto the scene. Gardner Minshew. Now, I tell you something. Gardner Minshew had a really good year in, in, in Jacksonville last year. He, he completed 60% of his passes. Uh, he had a six and six record, and he had twenty one touchdowns to six interceptions. That's pretty good for a rookie. That's pretty good. Now I'm going to eliminate Dwayne Haskins, and now I'm going to del- I'm going to eliminate Garner Minshew. The Jacksonville Jaguars are rebuilding. They're trying to tank. I don't. To be honest, I don't know. I don't think. I don't know if Jacksonville really value Garner Minshew, but Garner Minshew. I mean. He's not, he's not, he's not an all-world talent. Like, he's not the quickest guy. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's not the most, he's not the most accurate. But Gardner Minshew, I mean, looking at his numbers and looking at all of, all of the, all of the, the hype he had surrounding him in Jacksonville last year, uh, Gardner Minshew, he did not play, he did not play bad. He had 21 touchdowns to six interceptions. And threw for in twelve games, threw for over thirty two hundred yards, and had a six and six record. I think I think that is really good for Gardner Minshew. But I think the Jaguars they're rebuilding, and I don't see enough talent around Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. So I don't think I don't think Gardner Minshew will pop this year. Now, so we're going to eliminate Gardner Minshew. Now, the other guy we have is Jerick Stidham. Jerick Stidham, Jerick Stidham is new, is I guess the New England Patriots quarterback. Belichick, it, it, all the reports, all the all the news, all the reports are coming out and saying Bill Belichick is sold with Jerick Stidham. Jerick Stidham, um, he didn't. I mean, he's not really exciting. 
We gotta see, but I don't think Jarek Stidham will pop this year. I don't think Jarek Stidham will pop. He plays for a defensive-minded head coach. Bill Belichick doesn't have a system offensively, quote-unquote. He doesn't have a system offensively. This is not Tom Brady. Uh, And, like, let's be honest. Look at the lack of weapons that New England have. New England lack playmakers. I talked about this this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about New England playmakers and the lack thereof. They don't have any, they don't have many playmakers. Julian Edelman, he's a slot guy, but he's aging and he's often hurt to be honest. So, we so New England, I don't I don't see Jerick Stidham having a superb year uh with this with with this offensive personnel surrounding him. I don't see it. I don't see it happening. So, we're going to eliminate Jerick Stidham. Daniel Jones. Now, I'm going to be honest, when he got drafted a couple years ago, or, or well, last year, when 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 Daniel Jones got drafted last year, I was very skeptical and I underrated him. Daniel Jones had a damn good year. Daniel Jones completed he completed over sixty percent of his passes. He had he had uh th- he had he threw just over three thousand yards. Uh, twenty-four touchdowns to twelve interceptions. Now he does have a turnover problem. He does have a fumbling issue and problem that he would he would eventually have to get over. But that's fixable. He was a rookie. That that those are those are those are things that you can fix. Now, like I said, I underrated Daniel Jones coming into this year. I underrated him. I'm not afraid to admit it. I was wrong. I was wrong with Daniel Jones. He turns out to be better than what I thought. His, he's, he's, he's much more talented than what I thought. He's just, he's just much more talented as I thought. But let's get it straight. The Giants have, uh, they have a young old line. And let's be, quite, let's, let's be honest. The Giants, I don't think they're, they're not as talented as the Eagles or the Cowboys in their division. So I don't think, I don't think Dave Jones will have enough success. And let's be honest. Saquon Barkley is their offense. Saquon Barkley is their guy. He's the face of their franchise. So if if any if any type of success was to come the Giants' way, I would assume Saquon Barkley would be a big part of that. So we're gonna eliminate Dan Jones. Now this leaves us with Drew Locke and Kyler Murray. I th- these are the two quarterbacks. These are the two second-year quarterbacks that I think will pop. I think the I think both of these quarterbacks have the ability to pop. Now I'm going to tell you the team that I think is going to have the better record. I think the Denver Broncos are going to have the better record. The Broncos are going to have a better record than the Cardinals. Look at the division that the Cardinals play in. The Cardinals play in the tough NFC West. They play in the NFC West with San Francisco. Oh, yeah. They went to the Super Bowl last year. And then they play in the, they play in the division with Seattle and Russell Wilson. I don't know if you heard. They've been pretty good lately. And then the Rams. Uh, I don't think the Rams are a playoff team, but the Rams are still a really solid team. So I think the best case scenario, which I predicted, uh, well, I predicted 8-8. Eight and eight. For the for the uh, for the Cardinals, I predicted more eight and eight. But the best case scenario, they go nine and seven. Let's just say best case scenario, Cardinals finish third place and they go nine and seven. That's a I, I feel like that would be a good year with for Kyler Murray in his first year with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I, I think I, I, so. That's what I feel about Kyler Murray I, and, and, and the Arizona Cardinals. I think he'll pop 
But I think the Broncos had the I think the Broncos had the potential to win more games than the Arizona Cardinals. Let me tell you why. Now, Drew Locke, last year, he went, and a lot of guys don't probably don't even know Drew Locke, but he played at Missouri. He put up good numbers at Missouri in the SEC. He put up, he put up good numbers at Mizzou, and, and that's in the SEC. Uh, now, you, might, you guys may not know him. Drew Locke, he's, he, played, he started five games last year. He, he was 4-1 in those games. But look at the weapons that Denver has supported him with. Denver went out and drafted two receivers. Denver drafted two receivers early in the draft. One of them was was Jerry Judy. I'm really I'm a I'm a big fan of Jerry Judy. Denver also has a good tight end in Noah Font. I think Noah Font will turn into a star tight end this year. Then a breakout year from a rookie last year, Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton had a great breakout year as a rookie from SMU. Cortland Sutton. Is a really good receiver. So he has uh, re- he has an improved offensive line in front of him with Noah Font in, at, at the tight end position. Noah Fant, I'm sorry, Noah Fant, Noah Fant at the tight end position. Then you have Jerry Judy, Corden Sutton, Corden Sutton. He has weapons around him, and not to mention the Broncos was able to go sign Melvin Gordon. So now. They have two good running backs in Phillip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Not to mention their defense has reloaded. They they got they get Bradley Chubb back. They get Von Miller back. They added Jarrell Casey and they added AJ Bouye. I think the Broncos have the ability and the they have the potential to go ten and six and finish second in the AFC West. And that is why I think Drew Locke will be a quarterback that pops. I think Drew Locke and Kyler Murray, both of those guys, it would be they'd be the two guys, they'd be the two quarterbacks that pop. Those would be the two second-year quarterbacks that have that that have breakout seasons. They have explosive seasons. I like the weapons that they have around him uh around both of these quarterbacks. But I think the Broncos have the potential to have a better record than the Cardinals because, quite frankly, they play in the easy division. Let's be honest. The Raiders, they can't, they can't stop anybody. The Raiders' defense, not that good. Uh, they don't know who their quarterback is. They don't like May, Mike Mayock. They don't know if they like Derek Carr. They don't, like if they, they don't know if they like Marcus Mariota. And then the Chargers, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor. Who knows? What they they might they may go eight and eight. They may go ten and six. They may go nine and seven. They may go seven and nine. Who knows with the Chargers? So I see the Bron. I can I very well see the Broncos having a nine and seven, ten and six season with a chance to make the playoffs. And those are the two second year quarterbacks that I think pop. Those are the two second year quarterbacks that I think pop. And I told you guys this is a trend. This has been a trend for the last three years. Second-year quarterbacks popping. Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. It's, it has happened three straight years where second-year quarterbacks have won MVP and have led their team to win the division and has exploded. Now, I don't think, I don't think, Car- I don't think uh, Kyler Murray or Drew Locke, 
I don't think neither of their teams will win the will win the division. But I do think both of them will have explosive seasons and they will they will break out. They will have they will have breakout years and seasons with the weapons surrounding them, especially especially Denver and Drew Locke. I'm really excited to see how those two quarterbacks and those two teams pan out because I'm really high on those teams. I'll be back after the quick break. And this is the James. So James Harrison came out. So before I even get to James Harrison, let me get back to what I was saying. This is just how I embody myself. I don't look at myself as the victim. I don't. I don't look at myself as the victim. I I, I don't. I, I look around me. I look at my supporting cast. I look at what, what what's transpiring in my life. Many of blessings. I don't. I. I I don't look at myself as the victim. I don't try to pull the victim card. I don't try to. I don't. I just don't. And it's it, and to be honest, it's, it's just not cool. And plus, there's some there's people that are victims. And um, I I, I just I'm just not. There's a lot of people that uh that that that, that don't have. Please, I hate when people try to use the victim card, and they're not a victim. So James Harrison came out. And said on a podcast on bar on Barstool Sports Podcast, he came out and said, you know, the hit that happened uh, to Muhammad uh, in 2010 against the Browns. Mike Tom, he said, and this is and I think Mike, this is a whole another can of worms with James Harrison. But he said, Mike Tom, after that hit, Mike Tomlin gave him an envelope. He ain't gonna. He said he's not gonna say what's in it, but he gave him an envelope. Then later, later today, later today, James Harrison came out and cleared the air, and uh, he gave a whole. It's you can find this via Instagram uh, by way of James Harrison, but uh, he came out and basically said, uh, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin never paid him. It ne- Mike, not, Mike Tomlin never did such thing. Mike Tomlin never did. Here, here it goes. He said, "Wow, y'all, y'all really, com- y'all really comparing what I said to Bounty Gate." Mike T. Mike Tomlin has never paid me for hurting someone or trying to hurt someone or put a bounty on anybody. So he, you know, he gave the full story after that comment. James Hershon, James Hershon should have been. Much clearer in his response, uh, his 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 because think about it, you and he's talking about he he and James Harrison he's acting like he was surprised that people had put two and two together and said bounty gate. Well, look at the time of the of the events during that time, setting and having bounties bounties on players 
wasn't like it wasn't something that just happened once in every blue no like this was a trend this was practiced in the NFL this is a this is a consistent practice in the, in the NFL so you, you you can't you can't just say oh I can't believe you guys are saying uh did you compare this to Bounty Gate bro bro it, it, this was saying this Bounty Gate happened in 2012 this happened in 2011 so and and during this time during that time frame bounties setting bounties on players trying to hurt players and get players out and trying to hit trying to have highlight and big hits that was that was very much relevant so i you know who, who, so for people that compared it to bounty gate i have no problem with i have no problem with and when and when art rooney came out and said the pittsburgh steelers and mike tomlin has never done such a thing i believe them the Steelers are a flirt, uh, they are a first class organization. Mike Tomlin is a is a top tier coach. I would say come off I, I would say off of, just based off of last year, that was one of his better coaching jobs last year where um he still had the Steelers in playoff contention throughout the end of the year, you know, closer towards the end of the year, just didn't have enough offensively. But I knew such thing was not true. I knew such thing was not true with Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. They apparently they paid the you know the, the, what was in the envelope was his fine money. Uh, they gave him money. It, well, we're assuming that that was an envelope. The Steelers was paying James Harrison fine because James Harrison would get fined for that hit back in 2011. I assume he would get fined for that hit, and the Steelers paid for his fine. Now, boy, oh boy, the, the reason why I mentioned the victimhood thing, or I tried, I did the, the analogy as far as victims and who plays victims, and you shouldn't try to play a victim. Uh, who do you know? And let me, before I even get in, before I even like dig deep into this, I like Sean Payton, I like the Saints, I like Drew Brees. I like what they stand for as an organization. I like New Orleans Saints. But too much it's, there, there's too many instances where they, where Sean Payton he he in, he, he puts himself and the Saints and they into this victim into this victim role. Like they play victim, they cry victim. And you know, with the bat, with with James Harrison comments, you know, you know who came out? Sean Payton came out and said, "Hey, <laughs> I'll bounty gate that happened <clears throat> damn near nine years ago, eight years ago. <laughs> totally was mis was was mis was mishandled. He, I mean, he's, he 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 brung up the point about bounty gate, mind you, Sean Payton." Served his suspension years ago. The Saints and the, and those players that were involved, they served their year. They they served their suspensions. Greg Williams, they did. Greg Williams, Sean Payton, they served their suspensions already. And Sean Payton brings it back up. Nobody was thinking about buying the game until Sean Payton until Sean Payton brought it back up. And then he talks about how the NFL. You know, it's going to go under the carpet because of the Steelers and all. I said, oh, my gosh, 
This is another episode of the Saints and Sean Payton crying wolf, playing victim. And, you know, I, I'm sorry I got to do it, but the, the pass interference rule, that whole replay rule for the pass interference, that's because of the Saints. And I don't know why the NFL has to, like, dummy, dummy itself down and try to, and try to, like, you know, nurture the Saints. Okay, it was, yes, I understand. That pass interference call that happened in the NFC Championship game, yes, it was a pass interference call. Everybody saw that. Stevie Wonder could have saw that. But that, that didn't cause the Saints that game. That was not the reason why the Saints lost that game. That was not the reason why the Saints lost that game. That's not. It's, it's, it's not the reason why they lost that game. The reason why the Saints lost that game is because Drew Brees had a turnover in overtime, and the Saints' defense was unable to stop the Rams. That pass to the first call, Saints still had the lead. Saints got the lead. Rams got to go down and score. Saints defense didn't, the Saints' defense didn't stop them. Okay, Games go, game goes overtime. The game goes to overtime. Drew Brees have the ball. The Saints have the ball. Saints offense on the field in the dome. I would say I like my chances. You give me you. I got Drew Brees overtime with a chance to go to the with a chance opportunity to go to the Super Bowl. I like my chances. I like my chances. What does Drew Brees do? Drew Brees. Oh yeah, he throws the interception. He caught Drew Brees the turnovers, and then what? Then what happens to the Saints defense? The Rams go down and score on the Saints defense again. So that thing caused the Saints, like that pass in the first call. It didn't cost them the game. You know what cost them the game? Bad judgment by Sean Payton. Turnovers or a turnover from Drew Brees in overtime. And the ability or lack thereof, the defense of the Saints to stop the Rams. That's that's what caused the Saints that game. Not the pass in the first call. And I think it's too often the Saints cry wolf. Too often they cry wolf and they say, oh, we love yeah, the pass of the first call should have been revealed, but they should have called it. They cost us the trip. So- no, they did not. No, they did not. And that happened almost three years ago. And and, and Sean Payton, I, I, I bet you Sean Payton still talks about it till this day. I bet you Sean Payton still talks about it till this day. But, you know, they want to they wanna, they wanna continue to... They want to co- continue to glare on the fact that, hey... Pass to the fear, the pass to the fear. No, you're a Hall of Fame quarterback, and I like Drew Brees. I like Drew Brees, and it may seem like I've been real critical of him, but I just think Russell Wilson's been better for the last few years, and Drew Brees cost them that game. Drew Brees had an interception overtime. He had a chance to win the game in overtime. He did not get it done. Drew Brees fell short. He committed a turnover, and then the and then the Saints defense. Was unable, was not able 
to stop the Rams. What what's 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 the matter? What's the matter? The Saints didn't get it done. And I think that's just been the, that's just been the that's been that's been the story of the Saints for the last few years. If you want to be honest, if if you really want to get down to the nitty gritty, and you want to be if you want to be bluntly honest, since the Saints won the Super Bowl in two thousand nine, that, that that is what that is what has happened to the Saints. That is what has happened to the Saints, 2008-2009. Since they won that Super Bowl against the Colts, they have, they have had numerous of playoff failures. They have had a number of playoff failures. Sean Payton doesn't want to talk about that. He doesn't want to talk about that, though. Doesn't want to talk about that, though. We'll talk about the missed pass interference call. We'll continue to talk about Bounty Gate, but you don't want to talk about, you do not want to talk about and bring up the fact that, hey, maybe we just fell short. You don't want to talk about the playoff failures of Drew Brees and Sean Payton in the last eight years. We don't want to talk about that, though. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to talk about it. But if you want to be bluntly honest, we can talk about that. Not a miss, not not a pass interference call that was obvious, but was missed. But that pass interference call did not met, did not it did not cost you the game. They need to get that out of their head. They need to get that out of their head, out of their minds. That did not cost you the game. That did not cost you the game. Drew Brees committed a turnover, and your and your defense not being able to get stops against the Rams in overtime in the fourth quarter and in overtime. That's what cost you the game. But we're not going to talk about that, though. We're not going to talk about that, though. So, <clears throat> I've been, um, so we have college football, Lincoln Riley. I heard, um, I heard his, what he had to say as far as COVID-19 and the future of this upcoming college football season. He thinks that there will be a college football season. And I'm just going to reiterate, I'm just going to reiterate this. I think I said this last week. Um, I think there will be some sort of college football season. Now, whether or not now there may be, uh, there may not be out of conference games. There may be just ten conference games. Who knows? But I do think there will be a college football season. Now, I don't know if all. Of the college football programs will play, but I think a I think fair I think a good fairly amount will be able to play, and this goes back to my point. Certain states have been hit harder than certain states. It, it, certain regions haven't been has just certain regions in the country just has not been. Just it just has not been affected much. Some states down south don't know what social distancing is. That's just the fact of the matter, because they haven't had to take that route. Some states down south haven't don't need social distancing because their numbers are not their bad. Their numbers are not bad. Their numbers are not as high. So social distancing 
is not a such thing in certain states. Now, upstate, like New York and New Jersey, has they have they have they have, they have need every type of procedure, social distancing, stay at home. They have need they have everybody has needed that in some form or fashion upstate. Down south, not so much. And this is what I and, and that goes back to my point. It's just the icing on the cake for my point. Certain states, conservative governors, they're gonna open back states, certain states will allow schools to reopen. So colleges are going to be open. The players are going to be on campus. And some schools are going to play college football. Now, I know the, I know the governor of California has been real heavy-handed and strong-willed. And it seems like, uh, I don't know, Pac-12, uh, they may be MIA. They might be missing. The Pac-12 may be missing the action. I don't know. But let's just be honest. Let's be honest. Like, like, let's take it. Let's take us. Let's 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 sit back and let's be honest. If 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 the Pac-12, if in, if none of the Pac-12 teams played, would we care? It's college for it's it's college football fans. Would we care? Uh, I don't know. I, I for me honestly, for me personally, uh if you just gave me SEC and Clemson in the Big Ten. Uh, I'll be fine. If the if if the Pac-12 couldn't play this year, uh, eh, they won't be missed. Uh, and I, I hate to say it like that, but they only they, they won't be missed. I like Oregon and and, and with and with, with ball I mean, he's done a good job with Oregon, but I mean, they won't be missed. Oregon's a good it's a good program. Utah is a good program. Washington was a good program, but um, who continues to make the college football for? Like, it's the same teams, Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama, and then you have sometimes LSU, and then Georgia, Uh, no Pac-12 schools, no, no, no Pac-12. I I don't, to be honest, on Saturdays, college football, I don't know. I don't. I don't watch a lot of Pac-12 football. I don't watch a lot of it. And last year, the only teams that I really watched was Oregon and Utah. I watched Oregon because they had Justin Her- Herbert, and Justin Herbert was, you know, a top. He was one of the top NFL quarterback prospects. He was. He was a top prospect for for, for quarterback going into the NFL draft this year. So I watched Herbert a lot this year, and Utah was pretty good this year. So I watched Utah. But outside of that, uh, I didn't watch back twelve. I didn't watch back twelve like that. Outside of that, couple, maybe a couple USC games. But I, I didn't watch Pac twelve. I didn't watch Pac twelve like that. And quite frankly, who does college football? Who does? Who does? I, I on Saturdays, give me the Ohio State. Give me the Alabama versus LSU. Give me the Florida versus Georgia. Give me those games. So if the Pac twelve wouldn't be able to play. Uh, wouldn't be missed. Wouldn't wouldn't have a major effect on me. But what I do, but what I've been reading, um, like I said, I've been reading some articles, trying to stay fresh on this topic as far as sports in this country and the future of it going into the going into the fall, or well, going into the summer and then the fall. I've been trying to you know 
stay fresh on it. And it seems like as time goes on, our doctors, our smart doctors around this country, our scientists, they gain more knowledge about the virus. Now, apparently, uh, warmer, warmer weather helps kill the virus. Or not so much kill, but the, the virus is not as uh, dangerous in warm weather. Warm weather kills it. Or it, 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 warm weather deteriorates COVID-19. It deteriorates the virus. Warm weather, it's beneficial. It's beneficial. It, 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 it helps the virus go away. Warmer weather. So, scientists, doctors, our doctors, our scientists, as time goes on, they're getting more knowledge. Back in March, back in March, when, the, when, when this thing first hit the country, we didn't have enough knowledge. We didn't, we didn't have enough knowledge. We didn't know, we, like, we, we didn't know the people, different states was fighting over ventilators. We were worried about checks. We were, we, you know, there's a lot of things going on. And we didn't have a we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a, a lot of knowledge about this virus. So back in March, back back two months ago, if you caught if you caught COVID nineteen, I'm sure it was much more severe. If you catch I'm not and I'm not saying if you catch COVID nineteen, it's not bad now. But if you catch COVID nineteen right now, it's not as severe because as t- as time as time gone on, we have gained more knowledge. Now, obviously, you don't want to catch it. Obviously, you don't want to catch it. But it it's much it would be it's much better to catch. You know, according to the articles that I've been reading, it would be much beneficial. It'd be more. It'd be much more beneficial if you catch it now than back two months ago. Two months ago in March, whether or not a knowledge surrounding what was going on with the virus, we didn't know where it came from. We didn't know how we didn't know how it formed. So back in March, totally different. But May now, we got more knowledge on it. Healthcare is getting a little bit better. We got a little bit, we got a little bit more knowledge on this thing. And the difference between the pro sports and the collegiate sports, more so NFL and college football, because college football is really popular in this country. The, the, the big difference is, and the key difference that Lincoln Riley mentioned is, which is, which is obvious, these athletes are not getting paid for it. These athletes, they're, they're, they're like, there's lawsuits on these schools. There's there's lawsuit on these schools. So if the af, if if college football says they're gonna go on with their regular schedule as planned, but then there's a whole nother wave of COVID nineteen of this virus, they can't start and stop. Like once they stop the season, they can't start it back up. They can't start it back up. So. This thing has to be completely clear or the kids can't play. And that's the, I think that's the one instrumental di- difference between 
pro football and the, the NFL and college football. You can these pro sports, baseball, basketball, NFL, they can start and stop. College collegiate, college football, if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna go on as planned with their schedule, and we found out and we found we find out that there's a whole nother wave of this thing. They're gonna have to stop the season, but they they will not be able to come back. They won't be able to come back. They won't be able to come back. So, the last thing I want to get to before I let you guys go, the last thing I want to get to. So I told you about the conference call that the NBA that NBA that certain NBA stars had. I told you about the conference call, and I told you Chris Paul, since Chris Paul was is the president of, excuse me, since Chris Paul is the president of player operations, I mean, since he's the president of the player association, excuse me, since he's the player, since he's the president of the players operation, I would assume that Chris Paul set up that call and gathered all the stars together well reports that came out in the last couple in the last couple days that was that Chris Paul led the call and it featured LeBron and KD and Steph and Russ Brooke and but there was one notable and Kawhi there was one there was a notable guy that the media and now there's reports about it that was left out of this call James Harden now, I get the fact Harden, um, Harden, and Harden and Chris Paul, do, they don't have the best relationship. Since, since whatever went down and happened in Houston um, and that whole trade debacle and Chris Paul came out and said, Houston said they weren't going to trade me, but then they traded him, that whole debacle. So we can probably assume that Chris Paul didn't, he didn't, you know, they got somebody, they got Rustbrook. And, and, cause it, cause, because they had each star from each team. You had one player representative from each team. So instead of Chris Paul calling Harden, he got Rustbrook. No problem with, because hey, you know, Chris Paul, Harden, we get it. Don't have the greatest relationship. But this goes back to my this. I, I want to close out with this point with Harden. Harden, I think, and I had I was having this conversation with somebody as far as Harden and his legacy. I think Harden. I don't think Harden will ever win a title. Uh, I don't. I just me me personally. I just don't think his style works in the postseason. It's proven. He's proven. It's proven all and all. It's proven all, all, all the time, At year in year out. It's proven all the time that his style of play, the way how he plays offensively, is it's just not effective enough and efficient enough in the playoffs to win you a title. So I don't think Harden would ever win the title, but I do think he will have a great legacy as being. Um, an innovative score, 
a score that can score in a, in a, in multiple ways, and he'll probably he'll probably end up uh, as a top ten all time scoring leader. He'll probably end up he'll probably finish in the top ten in all time points. And there is nothing wrong with having a legacy like that. There's nothing wrong with having a legacy like that. There's nothing wrong at all with having a legacy where, you know, you don't win a, you know, Harden's a great player. We, 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 when he retires, we will acknowledge that he's a great player. He was a great, he was a great offensive player. Um, a really, a really talented scorer, but his play style just never really worked in the postseason. Uh, and that's 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 ultimately going to be the reason why he doesn't win a championship, which is fine. Harden's more of an individual type of guy. I often criticize Harden. Um, I often criticize him ab- about his lack of leadership. I guess. I, I you know it, it, the people coming out with reports about this call and Harden not being a good enough leader. I don't think this call had nothing to do with like character traits or like what are you what like what hard like is he a good guy or a negative guy? I don't think it I don't think him being excluded out of that call had nothing to do with that. I don't think it had nothing to do with that because the, Kawhi, he's not a big talker. He's not real vocal as a leader. He leads by example, but as far as him being vocal and talking that's not Kawhi. Um, there were there were some play. There were some other players that were left off of this call, like Anthony Davis was left off of this call. We all know Anthony Davis is a top ten player in basketball. Some would argue a top five basketball, top five player in basketball. But like I said, each team had one star representing them, and LeBron, of course, was was representing the Lakers. So, Harden wasn't the, he wasn't the only star that was left off, but I guess since Chris Pauls, the president of Player Association, of the Players Association, and Harden was his teammate, and they know there's a rift be, between, a possible rift between Harden and Chris Paul, you know, there's reports and stories coming out now. But... You know, not like like I said, not every not every superhero wears a cape. Not everybody is going to be uh, a player all time, a top five all time player that wins a bunch of championships, a bunch of MVPs, and has a lot. A lot of I mean, a lot of guys not gonna not a lot of guys going to be like that. Harden had I think Harden would, would he eventually when he retires when he chooses to retire. Uh, and he's not old. Harden is still he's still in his prime, very much in his prime. I think he'll retire with a great le- with a good legacy. It's nothing wrong with that. Um, it's nothing wrong with that. There's a lot of players that have scored a lot of points that were really good offensively, really explosive offensively, and retired with a good legacy. Um, yeah, I, I like Harden. Uh, you know, I like Harden. Uh, his game is a little hard to watch with the fouls and. You know, this game's a little hard to watch. I know, I know the, I know the internet. They typically, they, 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 you know, they randomly take shots at Harden because of his travel and his step back jumper. But um, you know, 
I find it to be innovative. So, um, that would be it. Thank you guys for tuning in, listening to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast, the IKP. The last two episodes of The Last Dance Doc. Um, they aired this upcoming Sunday. I cannot wait. Um, I'm going to give you guys my thoughts, my, uh, my opinions on what I saw, what I'm, what I, what I've learned from the doc, um, and, and, and all, and, you know, I'm going to react to the last two episodes of the last doc, um, on, you know, the next episode on the, on the next episode of this podcast. But, um, I can't, I, you know, thank you guys for streaming on Spotify, Apple podcasts, iHeartRadio. Uh, I, I, I say those three all the time because those are the three where most of you guys listen to. But if you're listening to this podcast on another platform or another, uh, DSP or streaming service, um, thank you and continue to listen off of there if you want. Um, it doesn't matter, but I just say those three in particular because those are those are the three uh, streaming platforms. Those are the platforms that you guys mostly use. So um, thank you guys for supporting. Continue to support. Spread the word. Uh, always remember, two choices, one decision. I'm out. And please, whatever you do, don't hate on Russell Wilson. Please. Uh, but I'm out. And see you guys, catch you guys later next time. Peace. That is.